I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do That's a bad hat, Andrew. It's a good show. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful day. From your life. Clarinet, and I'll Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Master of None Season 3. Damask Leary, Alora. Mm. How are you? <laughs> Hello to you, Broderick Gordis. How are we doing? Uh, Look, I've been re-watching Cora the last oh, week good and a choice, half. Good choice, good choice. We've just started season... A Cora. Yeah. A Cora. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's great. Every time I re-watch it, I'm like, it just gets better and better. Where are you up to at the moment? Uh, I, we've just finished episode two of season four. Episode so two have, of season four. Okay, cool. All yes, right. yeah, so you're we getting have a right very special it. appearance yes. in that episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, that's Cora alone, that episode, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's what it's called. That's a good episode, Cora. Mm-hmm. That's Very excellent. Good. Yeah, Melbourne's back in a lockdown. Yes. So, Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. After you, I was you know making fun of you moving to WA and you going into a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, Victoria's like, no, 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 no. We want some of that too. Um, right. So they imported some coronavirus from South Australia and mm-hmm. now uh, we've got that back out in the States. So we're all back to staying at home for a week. Woohoo. Woo-hoo. Well done, yep. everybody. Let's do this again. Actually, it's funny. In a weird way, it's like it totally messes with your life and it's fucking with everyone psychologically. But it's weird how today was like the first day of a weekend where everyone was like at home as they would be and like going out. It was, the weather was okay, going for walks and stuff. And I was like, I am a little bit nostalgic for this when times were simpler. Yeah. We could just go for a little walk and everyone was happy to see each other and keep a little bit of distance. Mm-hmm. And every- life just seemed to slow down a little bit. It did. Um, yes. Almost good timing, except it probably means I won't be able to come see you in WA in three weeks, which fucking sucks. Tragedy. It was like the one thing I was holding on to. Now that's, that's <laughs> gone. I've got nothing to look forward to. I, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping for a miracle that we get this under yep. control in a timely manner and maybe WA mm-hmm. will be nice enough to not lock me out of the state or force me into <laughs> a 14-day isolation or quarantine, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Fingers crossed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. We'll say that much. We'll make it work anyway. All right. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Master of None Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Master of None Season 3, a.k.a. Master of None Presents Moments in Love, returns as Ansari and Alan Yang's comedy drama series to Netflix for the first time in four years. The show was never guaranteed to return for a third season and went completely MIA alongside Ansari after allegations of sexual misconduct in 2018. While opinions around these allegations were dividing, Ansari pulled away from the spotlight before returning to Netflix in 2019 with a stand-up comedy special, Ansari, right now. In January, 
January of 2021, reports started to emerge of a potential season three, which were eventually confirmed in April with the subtitle Moments in Love, directed by Ansari and written without Alan Yang, replaced instead by Lena Waithe. Moments in Love focuses on the marriage of Waithe's existing character of Denise and new character Alicia, played by End of the Fucking World Season 2 and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker alumni Naomi Aki. Master of None Season 3 consists of five episodes ranging wildly in runtime from 21 to 56 minutes each and took us approximately three hours to watch. As of recording, there is no word on if Master of None will return for a fourth season or what form it may take if it did. So... This is interesting, Damask. This kind of yes. came out of nowhere. Uh, uh, going researching the background on season three, apparently, yeah, in January, reports started to spread that they were in production. From what I understand, they actually started back in 2020 and were interrupted by COVID and stuff like this. Mm. It was a super secret project, basically. I think it might have even been filmed in the UK, and no one really knew this was coming. Honestly, for me, there was a featurette that went up about a week ago, mm. week and a half ago, and I was like oh, this is happening, and then it came out. So yeah. it was really, like, out of nowhere. Um, and we went and did reviews of Master of None Season 1 and 2 back in the early days of the podcast, back before we had a spoiler section, a spoiler-free review and a spoiler section, um, back when things were very, very different, before this new theme song and everything, back in the when we were wee little babes on the podcast scene. <laughs> right. um, so young, so innocent. And honestly, it's, uh, it's been a long, long time since I've watched Season 1 and 2 of Master mm. of None. Uh mm-hmm. First of all, what are your feelings on Master of None returning? And do you remember sort of your, what, how you felt about season one and season two? Oh, I mean, you know me and I barely remember my opinions from last week. So <laughs> it's hard for me to remember my opinions from three to four years ago. I just generally, I think I really liked it. Yes. Um, I thought it was a, a show that, while similar in some ways to shows like Louie and Atlanta and stuff Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the, I guess, the amount of rope that the creators were, well, no, you shouldn't say rope because that's to hang themselves. (laughs) That's not what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) The leeway they were given, like the amount. Yeah, like the amount of like room they were given to um, kind of make of it what they wanted Mm -hmm. um, and make kind of really off the wall choices. Uh, so I really respected that and I thought it was something cool and different. I enjoyed watching the stories of Aziz's character, Dev, dating. Um, I mean, that was kind of like the stage of life I was in as well and I yes. kind of related to that pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really I really enjoyed them. Um, in terms of it coming back, I hadn't thought about it in so long. Yeah. I, it's not something that I was like, oh, I wish they'd make another season of Master of None. i just forgotten about it. So, yeah, it was a nice surprise. I was keen to check it out, but, yeah, I didn't need it, nor did I ask for it, but here we are. Sure. Uh, I did go back and listen to the episodes we did for season one, season two, just to try and refresh my memory, A, on what the show was doing and where it was at that point and our thoughts mm. on it. Uh, you gave season one a four out of five and you gave mm-hmm. season two a 4.5 out of five. Mm-hmm. I also gave season one a four out of five and season two a five out of five. We Ooh, were very, boy. very, very positive overall for the show. And listening back on it, I remember why. And one of the things you talk about is as a as a time or a cap, yeah, sort of a, a depiction of a time in, in Ziz's life that was on screen that was very similar to ours, I think we identified and found mm. the stories very familiar to us mm-hmm. as well and very affecting for that reason. I went back actually and watched 
uh, or mostly watch the last two episodes of season two. Also, just to sort of remind myself where the show had left off before it. Dis- so, when am I a? So it was good to return there as well. This is after I've watched season three. I've done this. Um, I had been thinking about Master of None a little bit in in the years since, especially. Once Aziz had done his stand-up and stuff. And every now and again, mm-hmm. I'd be like, geez, I wonder if they'll ever get a season three of Master of None. But certainly it wasn't one of those things I was expecting to see anytime soon. Uh, so I kind of love this is the way it's come about. I kind of love that it just dropped out of nowhere. Mm. It feels a bit more special and mysterious because of it. There's no time for a build-up. There's no time to th- think about or talk about, well, what about now that Aziz has had this controversy back in 2018? Like, should we mm. be watching it? It just sort of is here and... Mm-hmm. He's barely in it. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. And I we just get to sort of assess it as it is without too much pretense because of that. Mm. I did want to ask you, do you have any hesitation or did you have any hesitation in reviewing season three after the 2018, Azuz Ansari, the sexual misconduct allegations? Not really. Um, I think we could all agree that what was written about in terms of Aziz's behaviour on that date in that article when it came out, not good, <laughs> not good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was more important as a kind of a conversation starter about the culture that we live in as opposed to being Aziz being an abuser. Um, well, what he did wasn't good at all. Um, it's more about like boundaries and expectations between the sexes. Um, and when you're in those types of situations. So I didn't think he should have been cancelled, but I certainly think it was a catalyst for a really important conversation um, and one that should include him. And he tried to kind of bring it up mildly in his stand-up special, which I didn't like. Yeah, I thought it was pretty crap uh, special. I'm not entirely sure exactly what he learnt from it, but he might want to keep those things private. I don't know. Um, so, no, I do, it's not like, you know, Kevin Spacey's new show that's coming mm-hmm. out. Like, I, I see those things as, well, part of the similar culture. I just, I, I see them as very different situations. I think um, the timing of Aziz's thing was interesting as well because it was happening right in the throng of, like, the Me Too movement after Harvey Weinstein. A lot of this stuff was sort of happening simultaneously. Mm. And this seemed like a slightly different, different variation on that. And mm-hmm. so the conversation was very much about like, yes, there is the like systematic abusers like Weinstein and so forth. Mm. And then there's this scenario, which is not the same. It's not with, it needs a conversation as well, but it's not the same thing as what was happening sort mm-hmm. of say with Weinstein, etc. And it was also mm. just interesting in terms of timing after some of the conversations in season two, which Season two was bringing up like Weinstein type stuff in the show before the Weinstein allegations came out and then followed up by Aziz having a sort of similar scenario or a Me Too Too moment of his own. It was like, it was just, it was a lot to think about and sort of figure out. Yeah. Mm. Um, But I agree. I I don't really have any hesitation in reviewing this season and I'm looking forward to it, in fact. Damask, would you like to give us your spoiler-free review of Master of None Presents Moments in Love? I would love to, but I refuse to say the full title. You can just say season three. That's fine. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I'll be doing. Okay, fine. All right. So, having a hiatus of, you know, about four years was important for me coming into Master of None's third season. I mean, as you start to watch it, you know, is this Master of None anymore? I mean, looking at the cast, the location, the themes, it doesn't seem to be. 
Uh, the chasm between what Master of None was and what it is now might be too large for some people, and I don't begrudge them that. It does feel like quite a different show. I, however, didn't mind this new trajectory. You know, the adult relationships, you know, one that has left behind the youthful kind of romanticism that we saw Dev's character often in. Uh, this one is entirely insular and, a, yeah, a lot more grown up. Denise and Alicia have been building their life together, but, you know, life is hard and complicated and despite living in a fairy tale house, which is amazing, and I spent much of the season just pointing at the screen going, oh, my God, look at that lamp. Um, <laughs> so, That's yeah, the life stage is- of life we're in now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, where did she get that? Um, yeah, but despite there being adults now, um, life is hard and complicated and who they are still determines the kind of partner they are able to be despite having the best of intentions. Now, as these characters' lives become more complicated and they have more to deal with than what snacks to buy or who has to feed the chickens, the true nature of their dynamic is revealed. And I think that reveal is handled pretty well. We spend a lot of this season left in absolute silence as we watch a character's reaction to feeling powerless in their own life. And in that silence, the audience is given plenty of time to hear a character's thoughts in their own head. We're really just kind of made to sit in stillness, um, which can be confronting. Which I want to say is very different. Listening, again, I haven't watched, rewatched season one and two, but very different listening back to mm. the podcast to what those seasons were doing. In fact, if we had criticisms of the show back at the time, it was that often I that it was so dialogue heavy and so written to a mm. mirror polish that yeah. we really relish the moments where there was a little bit less talking, where we could just feel what the characters were feeling for a moment without it having to be necessarily dialogue orientated. Yeah, so these long drawn out scenes could be seen as tedious. And I, you know, that might be a criticism from a few or many, who knows? There were plenty. But I- But I actually needed that silence. The stuff that we're dealing with in season three feels so weighty that I needed plenty of time just to sit and absorb it. I mean, I should have been bored. I kept saying that to myself. I'm like, I should feel bored right now. There's not a whole lot going on in these scenes on the surface, I think. But I wasn't bored. I felt a bit of a rush being able to eavesdrop on this couple's relationship Uh, In terms of performance, I think Lena Waithe shines brightest during scenes that appear to have an element of improvisation. When she's able to bounce off of someone else, you get to watch someone who absolutely oozes charisma and you'd get why the character of Alicia would follow her girlfriend anywhere. There are a few moments, uh, mostly where Waithe's character has to download her feelings to someone else where it's as though I'm actually watching Waithe read the lines off the page Mm. and that can be a little distracting to me sometimes but I think they're kind of few and far between so I don't dock the show too much for it. I think it's a symptom also like don't get me wrong Lena Waithe is Mm. extremely talented proven Mm. herself more than enough times but they're they're I'd say Nomi Aki don't get ahead of myself is this is amazing in this show and When the show is shot the way it is, there's nowhere to hide if your performance Mm -hmm. is not quite as strong or as smooth or as natural, whatever it might be. You could sometimes cover that with editing and ADR and whatever it might be later Mm -hmm. on if you want to do that. But because of the the style they've chosen, some of those things just become to the surface because 
like I said, they've got nowhere to hide. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's there. Yeah, yeah. Quite often, you know, a character might have to give a little bit of perhaps a monologue mm-hmm. about how they're feeling, and that's a really hard thing to make feel natural and realistic. Yeah. And I think you've got to be a really talented performer, which, you know, Lena Waithe often is, but I think, yeah, there's certain scenes that, yeah, there was a clear difference in acting ability. Um, but for the most part, I enjoyed what she was doing. I, and I'll be honest with you, going back and watching the last two episodes of season two, there was plenty of times where that was just master of none anyway, where it didn't mm. feel natural, where either the writing yeah, or the performance, Aziz Ansari or other characters, were. it wasn't necessarily the most naturalistic performances or realistic conversations. The, I think the feelings and the emotions were always there. The scenarios mm. were always realistic and familiar, but it wasn't always like, oh, I'm watching this happen and it feels real all the time. Yeah, mm. I would say, though, that I think this season is aiming for it to be feel quite real as opposed True. to that's a good point. The, yes. Yeah. The earlier scenes. Now, as we were saying in performance, um, Naomi Aki is phenomenal. <laughs> and she has a lot to work with in this show. You know, in some scenes she is bright and bubbly when she needs to be. And you also get to see why Denise would be drawn to someone like her. You know, she mm-hmm. lights up the room. Everyone likes her. And then we get to see Aki take us through an emotional journey one that is so intimate that can be hard to watch sometimes, but she does it so well. I just, I don't even know how to describe it. And for those at home who might be umming and ahhing about watching this third season of Master of None, I would say at least sit down and watch Aki's performance mm. in this show because it really, it's something to really say, I think. And then I think we should all pressure Hollywood to give her all of the awards, please. She certainly deserves them. Uh, Aziz Ansari's direction gives the show the feeling, I think, of a stage play, Mm. um, which I think really helps in demonstrating the performative nature of domesticity that's on display there. Um, We kind of spend our time watching the characters figure out what is real, what is lie, what is a lie in that kind of performance, that performative nature of their lives and kind of how they can navigate their individuality while being in a couple. And it's, you know, it's, it's all this big, complicated stuff told really simply and it is hard to watch oftentimes, like I said, but it, I think, feels truly authentic. Uh, if this is the future of Master of None, you know, something like an anthology series that every few years gives us a portrayal of a different stage in relationships, you know, they can be romantic or platonic, I don't really care. You know, I, I'm pretty interested in what they're doing here and particularly if it maintains the quality we see this season. Yes, so that's that's my rambling review of season three. That wasn't very rambling at all. I thought that was excellent. The I do want to just quickly come back to Naomi Aki because mm. the first time we were introduced to her was when we watched End of the Fucking World season two. Yes. Which you weren't a massive fan of. I think I, I liked no. it quite a bit more. Um, well, I love season one so much. I was yeah. like, yeah. So interesting. She was a big part of season two and yeah. her character and therefore her performance is very different in that. Mm-hmm. Does it? Make you feel even worse about that now that, like, well, my review of that show. Uh, no, not the review of the uh. of the show itself, because I think one of the things you didn't love was that character in particular. Mm. Um, and the there, I, I think now I realize just how great an actress she is. And yeah, I had. It's like no wow, they were asking for something. They were really limiting her in that series with yeah. the character that she got. Yeah, I mean, watching this season makes me go, well, what can't she do? Like, what can't she show me? Like, she's so willing to show you everything Mm. and really fucking give it to you. 
Um, and by the end of it, you'll be exhausted and so thankful at the same time. Um, yeah, she is incredible. So if she is ever in something and it's not great, it's never going to be her fault <laughs> is my opinion on that. Uh, there are going to be a large chunk of people, even those and possibly especially those who were fans of the first two seasons of Master and None who are not going to like season three. It's style, mm. change of character focus and much slower pace will rub some people the wrong way. That's inevitable when making bold changes to an established norm, even, with, even within a show willing to experiment somewhat. What's not guaranteed is if a massive swing for the fences will pay off or even work at all. On this occasion... I think Moments of Love has hit a home run. Or Moments in Love, I should say. It's been a long time since I watched the first two seasons of Master of None. And while it was never locked into one particular format or feel, its most common form had a lot in common with other single-camera comedies at the time, such as, as you said, Louis and Atlanta. Occasionally, however, it would dip its toe into the world of French New Wave or Italian art cinema for an episode or two. But season three commits to a modernism approach for its entire run of episodes. Practically every scene uses the same playbook. Long takes, full body framing and minimal editing, very much evoking the work of Chantal Ackerman. Not someone I'm familiar with, but looking into it afterwards and a lot of people discussing this season, there's no doubt that that's definitely the inspiration. Uh, Its pace is slow. Very, very slow, in fact, when compared to the energies of season one and two, or practically any modern American TV show, and relies on the environment and the performances within the setting to make to, t- to make a raw slice of life moment engaging and meaningful. Direction, cinematography, and performance are everything. And thankfully, Ansari's director and Waith and Aki as our leads are more than up to the task. The two actresses actresses have a genuine, relatable, and real chemistry, which, when coupled with their incredible house. Some, I'm sure, will say the house is a character in a, in a, of itself. Uh, make for an experience that's just charming as hell. Naomi Aki, in particular, steals the show, though. Delivering a performance so captivating that if she isn't nominated for an Emmy, I will riot. <laughs> Moments in Love is a painting, a long, detailed illustration of the reality of relationships in many intricate ways. Words cannot do a painting justice. It's something you have to see for yourself. So go watch Master of None Season 3. Mm. That's all I'm going to say until we talk spoilers. Mm. How would you rate this season of Master of None out of five stars, Damask? I'm going to give it a solid 4.5. I really, really liked it. Yeah. I liked it so much, I'm going to give it a five out of five. Fuck yeah. And and it's been a while since I've done that. I've been unwilling to do it, but... This feel sometimes when I don't do it, it's because I always feel like there's something the more that can be done. Mm, there's mm-hmm. more to come. There's growth to be done. This is what it is. It mm-hmm. sets out to do something. It's not perfect, as you said. Mm. There are moments here and there that don't feel as genuine or as like effective as others. But it knows what it wants to be. It does it extremely well for the mm. vast majority of it. And I want to reward the show for existing and doing what it does. To come back four years mm-hmm. later and do something this bold, um, it won't, not everyone will like it. I know for a fact a lot of people found it downright boring is what I've mm-hmm. seen. I did not. I no, found I it extremely captivating. Mm-hmm. And while I, I did spread it out, I didn't watch it all in one go either. Like You could watch as a three-hour movie, I guess, if you want. I actually thought the way it separated itself into its five parts, which were very, very varied in length, was really good. I would watch one or maybe two in a row, particularly the smaller ones, mm. and then take a break and come back. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. I didn't feel like I was missing a beat. It was the next chapter in the story, um, and it would be telling a very specific part of this story, and that would be a complete 
whole in of itself. And then, yeah, I I think it's pretty masterful overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's it's very, very refreshing. I'm really glad it's here. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to tempt you even further, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends, family, foes who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back with an episode of Off Topic Hot Topic, followed the week after by our review of The Sopranos Season 6A. If you'd like to contribute a question, topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, or if you have any thoughts on The Sopranos or Master of None, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. Spoiler alert, I got a great, some great, great, great uh, discussion points on Invincible, which we reviewed last week that we will Ooh. go into detail about in our next Off Topic Hot Topic. If you want to do the same thing, if you want to participate in the show, send us some stuff as well. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Master of None Season 3. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one to three, but mostly season three of Master of None. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Master of None up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. The reason I say we're mostly going to be spoiling season three is I'm not sure either of us remember season one and two well enough. (laughs) I definitely don't. This, the, I do want to discuss the ending of season two with you. I don't know if you remember that at all. <laughs> but he I'll ends up that. with that Italian girl or something? Well, there's some questions around that. It was left the as a bit of a cliffhanger, so we're not really sure what the, the ending was. So we'll, yeah. I might bring that up a little bit later as well. But right now, I think the, honestly think the best way to approach this is how we did approach Master of None season one, season two. We haven't done this with the show for a while, and that's mm-hmm. going episode by episode. Okay. I think might yeah. be the best way to discuss this because unless there is something in particular you want to discuss that's a bit more all-encompassing mm-hmm. to begin with. No, I think that's a good way to do it, particularly since it's very short. Season. Yes, it is. And we I don't think we're going to have too much to talk about anyway. It's probably going to be a short episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Chapter one, they don't have episode tiles. They're just chapters one to five. Uh, we get to establish Denise and Alicia as a couple. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of like 
seeing their different behaviors, their routines. Alicia seems to be more of a morning person, a bit more organized, a bit neater. Denise, on the other hand, likes to stay in bed a little bit longer. She's a bit slower to get going, a bit messier. How do you find that sort of stuff, that establishing these characters and that dynamic? Yeah, at first I was like, it is quite slow, but mm. there is like you know, a good level of charm to it, I think, and kind of establishes what we'll be doing. It's simply just kind of, you know, we've got a static camera and we're just going to be watching mm-hmm. these people day to day. Um, and, you know, it is like, nice little vignettes of what a relationship looks like when it is comfortable and positive, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really good place to start um, with these characters. So, yeah, I wasn't in chapter one. I wasn't in love with the show, but I was like, I could sit through another episode of this. Sure, let's go. It's it does take a little bit of get used to I think the style as well. It, uh, the featurette honestly helped so much to set up my expectations mm. for what the season would be. If I think I just jumped into this hearing, there's a season three of Master of None. Go, I'd probably be like, what the fuck is happening? But the featurette yeah. really helped to understand the goals of what was going on, set an expectation for what I was going to be getting. And so mm. I was just like, okay, cool. This is going to be a bit slower. It's going to be you know very art house style. Um, I'm preparing myself for that. And so I was on board to begin with. I didn't have to fight with the show, which was helpful. And maybe hopefully yeah. if people are thinking about checking this out, that's what our podcast will do as well. Just set an expectation for what the show is. Because if you go in with the right expectations, I think you're going to be pretty happy. Um, but straight away, the thing that stood out to me was just that fucking house. Um, it <laughs> is a ridiculous set. And apparently it is a set. It's, it's not so- a real house. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's incredible. It is so, so beautiful. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to say it's the third character. Clips. I don't believe that's true. But in terms of like the mise-en-scene, to get really wanky for a second, but the use of space to convey and the environment to convey who our characters are, what mm. you know their interests are, what their style is like, all of that, how they work together dynamically, I think it's... It's beautiful, incredible production work. And I'm glad they've put as much time into it. And they had to too, because when you're leaving just set frames for minutes at a time, it needs Mm -hmm. to look beautiful no matter where you put that camera. And they did such a good job of it. Yeah, it infuses the show that could, I think, feel cold and perhaps keeping you at arm's length. It feels really warm and Mm -hmm. inviting. Like when we are first entering this couple's space. Yeah, I mean, no, I certainly wouldn't be a wanker that says it's another character. Um, It's not, (laughs) but it is a really, I think, important element of the show. Mm -hmm. It's a a massive part of the storytelling, I think, and that is true as the show goes on as well. Uh, Anyway, uh, we get to sort of see how these two interact, what their relationship is like, you know, what they provide one another, their different energies and personalities, and eventually... Dev, hey, this is Ansara's character Hello. that we followed all mm-hmm. the way through seasons one and two, uh, comes to visit, brings along his new girlfriend, and mm. he, they're over for a dinner party of some sort, just dinner between the four of them, mm. and gets really fucking awkward really <laughs> fucking quickly. I could barely look at the screen. I was so uncomfortable. Oh. I just, it was because it starts off really lovely, and you're like, oh, it's nice to see them all hanging out with one another. And then, yeah, the little the snips start. <laughs> the little they start cutting each other little just barbs, slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're like, oh, that's not great. 
But it makes you kind of love um, Denise and Alicia even more. You're like, oh, well, they're great. They're yeah. really, really good. Um, and they're Dev, solid. Yeah, Dev and Reshmi aren't, and that's kind of the nightmare scenario that you you never want to be in is being the worst couple. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I thought that was also good to kind of separate our couple yep. once that fight has kind of blown up. Um, and I really appreciated the conversation that Alicia has with Reshmi in the bathroom. I want to say, though, I didn't think the actress playing Reshmi was necessarily working on the same level as the show was. She felt like she was in a different show on an Angie from an Angie point mm-hmm. of view. Yeah. Um, like whether she was a better performer than say Lena Waithe or not, it's a different story. It's more that just the the energy that performance felt like it was from something else. It was it was strange. Almost like it was she did think she was on stage, she was projecting to an audience that wasn't there. I don't know. There was something about that was just like, oh that just doesn't feel quite as a piece. And yet going back and watching season one, season two of Master of None where Aziz Ansari has his parents play themselves and things like this, and performances mm. were a little all over the place. It kind of was a like in line with what the show was done anyway. So mm. I don't know maybe that was the point. This is true. Um, maybe she had just watched season one and two and was like, okay, this is the show I'm in, and then yeah, it turned out to yeah, be a maybe. very, very different show. Um, but yeah, like I appreciated uh, Reshmi kind of framing that undercurrent of fear Mm. that when you are in a relationship, a long-term relationship in your thirties of like, please let this work because I don't want to have to start again. And And what will that look like? And it is a very different place to where the first two seasons of Master of None were as well, which were sort of more in your twenties, late twenties, maybe even early thirties. But there was this sense Mm. that like, you're still young, you're having a lot of fun, you're making the most of living Mm -hmm. in New York, et cetera. And four years later, they, all these people feel like they're in a very different part of their lives. Dev is interesting that he's living with his parents, for instance. Mm. Um, with the last time we saw him, he had he was host of that cupcake show for a while. He'd left that to start his best food friends show with uh, Bobby Cannavale's character, which he turned out to be uh, a creep, a creep. <laughs> and that was falling down around his ears, and. The perception we got that he was going to end up with Francesca, it was hard to tell whether the final couple of shots of the show were a fantasy or Mm -hmm. whether they were a skip forward in time. And we left, listening back to our episode, we left going, geez, there has to be a season three. It doesn't have to come anytime soon. It can be years down the track, whatever. (laughs) But there's got to be an explanation for what happened here. And instead, (laughs) we get nothing. (laughs) We just get, as this is living with his parents, he's dating somebody else. Mm-hmm. He's not happy. He's in a valley, as as they say when he's having his conversation with um, Denise. We Francesca is never mentioned, never. so we don't know whether she just that never happened. They never got together, and she left New York as she was going to with uh, Pino, her fiance at the time. Or if they did get together, and then that's fallen apart since. We just yeah. have no idea. No idea. And the thing is, like, I didn't remember it, so I didn't care. Like, so much sure. time has passed that it the show has enough. Um, leeway now to be like, oh, it, it doesn't matter. We're starting from scratch. You it, don't it, doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anyway. Matter. I would be curious to know. I would love to know what the actual answer to that question was. Mm. Um, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. All of that fantasy stuff has fallen by the wayside. Mm. And, that, yeah, just another example of that. It's like, well, now we're really in it and we have to sit through the worst dinner party that's ever occurred. 
And something I loved about the way that dinner party was shot. So, so far, every scene, I think, had been just a single shot. Like, mm. no cutting away. Them doing the laundry and dancing, single shot. Them waking up in the morning, whatever it was. Them doing the interview, single shot. Doesn't move, doesn't change at all. This dinner party, especially once they get into the kitchen and the argument really starts uh, between Aziz and his partner, is the first time we see the shot change. And mm. what I loved is what was happening is the shot kept changing, went from including all four characters to mostly just including the couple to mm. exclusively including them. Mm-hmm. And just like watching the focus shift so they became the full centre of attention and it was all about them now. The other, um, uh, Leisha and Denise, were, barely, were basically, may as well not be in the room at that point. Yeah, And so when you have a particular style and you first make a shift in how you're using it, it's so powerful mm-hmm. and was so well utilised, I thought, to just really make you feel how awkward that yeah. moment was. And you, you absolutely did get a sense that they had forgotten where they were. Mm, and this yes. fight that they had had clearly a million times before was just, that's all that was on their mind. Yep. Um, yeah, which was horrifying. <laughs> it was. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, after this, Alicia seems a little bit rattled uh, mm. relationship-wise. She's questioning things with Denise a little bit, but comes out the other side thinking, you know what, I think it's time we had a baby. Do you want a baby, Denise? And Denise is a little less enthusiastic to begin with, but says yes. And then they discuss who they might have as the sperm donor. And mm. they talk about their friend Darius and get that ball rolling. I'm interested, Damask, mm. as someone who is planning to have a baby one day, who is in a... Yeah a gay relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this conversation? Huh? I said it'd be weird if it was a gay relationship with a man. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to judge. Uh, <laughs> how did you feel about this conversation from your point of view? Um, between Denise and Alicia? Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't so much me being like, oh, this is how the conversation goes as like for queer women it was just kind of I was watching the individuals and how they were both um managing that topic so of course like Alicia after that conversation with Reshmi has this fear of either stagnation or moving backwards the kind of Dev and Reshmi uh symbolizing for her and so her thing it's just like, well, I want to keep moving forward. I just need to keep moving forward to feel like I'm achieving things and we're growing and all of that. Um, and Denise is just really happy where she is mm. and has no desire to upset the things in her life that make her feel good, which is her career and having this absolute control of all these markers in her life that signify success. Um, and she's so either avoidant or neutral on the topic mm-hmm. that it stressed me the fuck out. Right. I was like, the writing is on the wall that she will go along, sure, but she's not really super actively involved in it. It's and certainly she's not, not excited. enthusiastic the same way. No, that Alicia not is, at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, they agree, though, and they agree about having Darius mm-hmm. as their ideal sperm donor they invite him around to me that like denise didn't have wasn't really a part of that conversation 
like of, a leader to- of asking him or deciding yeah, it's him of deciding it was him, um, which is a pretty big decision. Mm. But I feel like Alicia had already, you know, figured the, the, that she would be using Darius. The way I remember it going down, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is Alicia brings him up as like, I've thought about it and I think he would be a good option. Mm. And then uh, Denise says something like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that idea. Again, not necessarily yeah. enthusiastic, but also like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then there's a long stretch of time. So we don't know. They may have had conversations about other donors in between, but they all they both agree that if it's going to happen, this makes the most sense. Yeah, I think just like the lack of thought on Denise's part. Like, yeah, I'm sure there might have been a million conversations about mm. what that dynamic looks like. I don't and, think Darius know. is there the next day. I'll put it that way. No, no, nor, nor do I. Yeah. Nor do I. But it just seems like such a big deal. Sure. For it, yeah, it, it it furthered my like level of concern as to how this sure. is going to go. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I, I didn't flag that at all. I saw it as like more of a when Alicia suggests this idea, it's not like she's set in stone about it. It's more like logistically, like you know, mm. this might work sort of thing, and that helped to sell the idea. Again, not necessarily the enthusiasm, but to mm. sell the idea to Denise, who was like, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, all just right. Like such a, I have no a lack of investment. And thought into it on Denise's part that, sure, you know, if you're thinking about becoming a parent, you probably need a bit more investment. <laughs> uh, at that point, we skip ahead to when they invite Darius over, they have him mm-hmm. over for dinner, they broach him with the idea. And the first thing I just thought was, that is the correct reaction, Darius. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that is an extremely flattering thing for someone to ask of you, I think. I just, mm. I just, I was worried this was going to be a dramatic thing. I was like, oh, actually, nah, not really interested in the idea. There's going to be some like drama that I was like, oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad this mm. went the way it did. They move on to having him come over to donate his sperm. I loved this scene. <laughs> this, it made me laugh so much. <laughs> I love it because like, I kept thinking about, well, how would you do this? And the yeah. first thing I thought was like, they just sort of just invite him in, showing him spot and then leave. I'm like, you're not going to have a cup of tea first. You're not just going to chill out for a second, you know, to spend any time with him. Just like, yeah. thanks for coming. Just deposit over here yeah. and uh, let us know when you're done. I just you know, the charcuterie platter <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. all of that stuff and the candles. It just made me laugh a lot. <laughs> and then them awkwardly like sitting outside because I have thought about that how that would, the logistics of that sure. scenario. And it would be like someone comes over. Jerks off in a room in your house, <laughs> gives you a little vial of their beautiful sperm, and then you and your partner just like go on and do your thing. Like it's it's awkward, <laughs> but I think like I really appreciated watching it because yeah. like yeah, this is an absurd situation um, that is both exciting but awkward, um, but so filled with kind of love and selflessness as well. Yeah, I I, I had a great time watching that. Sequence of events. Their conversation outside about like how they've seen him up on the couch. I'm like, yeah, Mm. does feel like this is more of a bathroom activity. It's like, or a private room at least. Yeah, not the open living area in this very open plan style house as well. Yeah, Yeah, sitting in front of some soft cheeses. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) very interesting. I the weird thing I thought of though is they've given him a laptop to like Mm -hmm. find his own porn. I'm like. There'd be a part of you that'd be tempted to go back and look through the search history as to what he was looking at when he did extract his seed <laughs> for you to have your child. One would assume he'd be on incognito. Yeah, you don't, yeah it's already incognito. Yeah. <laughs> just make sure you close the window afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. 
That would be that you'd know they were thinking of you if they did that. You'd feel well looked after. Yes. But it's definitely <laughs> an incognito window. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I agree. Wonderful scene and a scene mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen on television before. Not saying it doesn't exist, but certainly the sort of thing that I've I've not seen in a television show or movie. Honestly, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they successfully retrieve Darius's seed. Alicia gets pregnant but sadly has a miscarriage mm. in, a, in a sequence of shots that I would say is doing an up by which if you've watched the animated movie up. Oh, doing an up. I see what you're doing saying. Doing an up. Yeah. And there's a series of shots in silence over music that tells a tragic story of a miscarriage that ultimately leads to a huge f- fight. Um, well, not actually, it wasn't necessarily a fight that time, wasn't it? It was more of a... It was a cold si- moment. Yeah, cold silence um, with a few yeah biting comments that would be really hard to come back from. Really I, hard to come back from. I want to have a baby. I just don't know if it should be with you. Pretty oh. fucking devastating. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be so hard to move forward. And as soon as it was said, I was you like, can't unring oh, that bell. Fuck no, no. And you get that she's saying it because she is like just living in devastation at that moment mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, Denise was not the excited partner that she was wanting. Um, and so if you don't share in the joy, then I think you'd probably be really resentful and not believing that they are sharing in the pain as well. So it made sense, but after she said it, I was like, fuck, I don't know how you would ever come back from that. Um, it is interesting part of that actually because there's a lot of judgment taking place from Alicia towards Denise that I don't necessarily think is warranted. Mm. I understand the fear that's there or the mm. perception that she has there. Um, but And obviously, you know, how can you not be emotional in that mm-hmm. scenario? But like you said, it's like once you ring that bell, yeah. it's a fucking, it's, a, it's very hard to come back from that. Yeah. It's going to, it just, it's an instant divide between mm-hmm. people and you kind of just like, I hope they don't regret you don't regret that sort of scenario, but of course you do. Yeah. And we move yeah, on to I, chapter two. Go on, yes. sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, in terms of the resentment that Alicia clearly has towards Denise, like mm. she has expectations of Denise, but never communicates those. Mm. So, you know, they're both very, Denise is not stepping up, um, but also Alicia is not, yeah, saying what she needs. So, they're, yeah, they're both pretty at fault. Yes. Chapter two, this is sometime after the miscarriage. Denise and Alicia's relationship is obviously strained. One of the first times I was ever like in the show, okay, this does seem a little unnecessary, was the Mm. first shot of this episode or the first extended shot of this episode, which was just Denise eating in her car. (laughs) Even (laughs) even for this season, even for Master of None in general, I did think that was a little indulgent. (laughs) But it was effective at sort of giving you that feeling of distance they had. The fact that she was yeah. eating on her own rather than, yeah. well, I don't know if she was planning to go into the house or she was somewhere down the road, wherever it might have been. Mm. Later on, when Alicia's eating, she asks if Denise is, wants any. She's like, no, I'm fine because she's already eaten. Almost to avoid having to do that, her, you know, have them the two of them together and having an intimate meal or something together. Mm. Uh, Alicia goes away. Denise mm-hmm. has a friend over. 
Mm-hmm. And like a slow-moving car accident, oh. you know what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Once but that, that is... leg is like over the other person's leg and they're sitting in front of a fire and watching a movie, you're like, fucking hell. This is the, the impending doom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know where this goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. how, how are you feeling at that point? Fucking stressed, man. I was like, and I think that's really speaks to the quality of this show Mm. is I really do feel like a fly on the wall and I'm having to watch this relationship implode and decisions being made. Um, And I think Lena Waif does a really good job actually in this chapter. Like the, the looks, the thoughts that she's having when, you know, Heather will leave the room Yep. Kind yep. of knowing what's yep. happening. No, knowing what is potentially going to occur yes. here. And mm-hmm. also knowing that she is making a decision one at some point. Yes. Like this doesn't, this is not inevitable. I mean, mm-hmm. I think as an audience member, we feel it's inevitable to some degree. Yeah. But she knows it's not inevitable. She can choose to, to turn away mm-hmm. at any moment here. But she is yeah. actively like, I want this right yes. now. It's what I feel like I want. Yeah. And Once so I'm you probably see going to do this. Yeah, on her face that it's being considered. You're yes. like, well, it's definitely going to fucking happen. Mm. Um, you know, particularly when you're, you know, drinking wine, smoking a bunch of weed mm. in a very intimate setting, mm-hmm. um, having really kind of emotional, honest conversations about your life and how it's not really what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to happen. Um, it was hard to watch. Um I'm glad. I actually really appreciate that we didn't watch them have sex because you don't need to. I agree. You just, I wrote the, the aftermath. same note. It mm. happened. You felt it coming. They didn't show it because the act of it wasn't the point. The, the yeah. point was that it happened. Yes. And so you just see kind of Heather putting on her clothes and Denise coming down and being fucking sooky about it. And yeah. Like, yeah. was interesting. Um, even in that moment, she's still being so fucking selfish. Um, and being like, you can't leave me alone to feel guilty by myself. Mm. And then, yeah, she drives her drives her home. So, yeah, I do want to say as well that's that cut away right to to seeing. First of all, for some reason, I missed because there was an in between shot that was outside, and it felt mm. a little daylighty to me. I don't know why I completely misread it. Mm. And so, when she was putting her stuff on and she was down the couch, I'm like. Maybe she's just getting changed because she slept on the couch. I did think that briefly as well. I'm For like, maybe a second. She just, yeah, maybe she stayed over. Um, yes. But then I was like, no, because there's clothes strewn about. Yeah, then, then as it sort of kept going, yeah. I picked up on more things. And obviously, once the conversation, I was like, oh, fuck, it did happen. Okay, yeah. right. Um, anyway, yes. Then, minor spoilers <laughs> for The Sopranos. They do a mm. Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. And a car accident occurs <laughs> whereby um, it, it, it doesn't, yeah, it, it's, it's just crazy to me how similar this is to that scenario where mm-hmm. one time, yeah, there's very specific things happening between two people that shouldn't be yeah. happening and there's a car accident which kind of ruins yeah. the whole thing to some degree. But I, I also really like that I thought the car accident was going to happen. Um, you thought it was your- coming? No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. But, like, Alicia will come to the hospital, realise that Heather is there as well, and be like, why the fuck were you guys? That's what but I was But they're friends, to. so why why wouldn't they? I thought yeah. that was going to be the catalyst for her discovering that Denise had been unfaithful. Yeah. I'm glad that as isn't actually 
what occurred. It's then like later on when she finds the underwear and then then later reveals that, oh, it shouldn't have taken you an hour to get back to yeah. the hospital. Yeah. It is interesting though. <laughs> the way she finds out is the most cliche way to find yeah. out that your partner's been sleeping with somebody. I have to ask the question. Why yeah. is everybody who goes and has an affair with somebody, you know, the the, the mistress or the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the intruder, the affair, I don't know what you would call it, comes over, always manages to leave their underwear behind. How many of these people are just generally not wearing underwear and can easily forget they had them on? How many mm. of these people just put their clothes back on and don't think, am I missing something here? Or is it a deliberate deliberate attempt to make sure you're going to really ruin somebody's life because it happens in so many shows and movies it it really does i think now after like all of us consuming so much pop culture that no one ever leaves their underwear behind anymore absolutely not (laughs) it's the first thing you check for you're like do i have all my earrings do i have like my underwear what can I leave behind that will ruin someone's life? And make sure I don't do that. Um, I feel like we've all learned our lesson pretty well from TV and film now, not to do that. Um, yes, look, I mean, she was she was drunk and high, so I could understand leaving a bra behind. Surely you'd remember whether you've got knickers on or not, but, you know. Um, it was also that scenario where the other thing I was thinking was because of the car accident and Alicia came home early, that Denise didn't have time to like double check yes. and like fix everything and feel guilty mm-hmm. and make sure, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. She kind of just ends up in bed and then, <laughs> whoops, I didn't have a chance to fix this. Yeah. Mm. Yes. But I can I say it's another conversation. There's so many conversations I fucking love on this show, but it's surprisingly funny to me when Alicia reveals that she has been seeing someone else mm. and Denise is so aghast at the her audacity of of yeah coming in and calling her out on it. I actually I found myself laughing quite a bit um, during the show, even in moments of like some really serious conversations happening, but they felt really authentic and yes. yeah, just like yes, of course you would feel that way, and of course you would express yourself in that way. It's just funny to watch it, yeah. I, I love that fight. The re- revelation, yeah. Alicia finds out that Denise has slept with her friend. Denise finds out, or Alicia reveals after some in- slight interrogation that she's been seeing somebody else. Mm. Went away for a weekend deliberately. Has mm-hmm. It's more than just a fling by the sounds of it. And yeah. she wants out. And that ensuing fight, um, apart from slightly being distracted for some reason because the European version of the Half-Blood Prince is on the bookshelf, which I kept looking at. But apart from that, <laughs> the that fight... Um, was extremely real and familiar and sad. I mm-hmm. thought, and just yeah. Um, and it was like, like there's so much damage revealed yeah. in that one scene. You're like, well, first there was that comment, but perhaps I could come back from it. And now, just like all of the the damage is on the table. Everyone has to look at it now. And you're like, well, this is fucked. That and was. I it. love that Denise thinks that it's not. Well, it's that- the, it's the difference of. Denise doesn't realise how far gone Alicia is, yeah. I think. And it's it's not necessarily, it's not just about the fact that they were unfaithful because Denise, Denise says, we've both done it. We both, you know, needed something else, whatever. It's that Alicia is like, she's one foot out the door. She's Denise just out. didn't realise yet. She's yep. just finding out now. Chapter three, mm. Denise is in the house alone as they go through divorce divorce proceedings. This is only like a 20-minute episode. I actually have very few notes for this episode mm. whatsoever. 
the opening scene of the couple coming over to look at the house as the real estate agent mm-hmm. takes them through, seeing like half the books gone from the little like reading the house books they have so upstairs. so different. House yeah. feels and looks different and cold. Um, we have like Denise's conversation with um, Dev. Where Dev seems to be all of a sudden, after talking about peaks and valleys, he seems to be on the way up and now Denise is in the valley. Um, Alicia comes over to get Denise to sign the divorce papers for the final time, which is a devastating scene, like nail the coffin stuff. Yeah. I think like chapter two, I was like really hooked me in. Mm. And then chapter three, I was like, four, I'm really enjoying watching this show, um, particularly that scene between Anita, uh, Denise and Alicia um, when Denise just kind of like really wants to put her case forward as to why yeah. they don't have to don't have to do this. I was like, okay, what is she going to say? And just Alicia just kind of says it all. Um, there's nothing more to say at that point. And, yeah, that performance during that scene, I like, had goosebumps. I was like, oh, my fucking God, there's so much anger there. Um and she's done, and justifiably so. That's an incredible scene. I think that just that it's again, it's a short episode. I think what this this episode did so well was again that environmental storytelling. So as you yeah. said, the house feels emptier, the books are gone, things are different, and you feel it in the house as much as you feel it in the performance. Mm. Um, there's like I think there's some some s- scenes that are sort of a juxtaposition on early scenes we've seen as well. I think there's a scene. I want to. I might be incorrect here. Where Denise is like doing some laundry, laundry or something on her own. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's this episode. There yeah. is another one of those as well. Alicia has in episode four where she's a laundromat on her own as well. Mm. And it was like it's funny how like there's this almost like laundry trilo- trilogy of like seeing them together as a couple in mm-hmm. you know some of their most strong and happy moments versus now and just what that gives you because of how mm-hmm. it's shot, because of how it's presented, because of the music, that's what what's happening on screen. There's just long extended like get to soak in this moment for a second and feel the change and feel the difference. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> I've got no it, other really way to it. <laughs> it really is. And I'm not sure I've got anything else to say about chapter three unless you do. I found it just extremely effective at like taking us to the, it was almost, it, it felt a little bit like chapter two, part two. It was like mm-hmm. just the second half of that story. It almost could have just been one 50-minute episode, I thought. Um, but mm. it was great. I've- yeah, it, it felt like the the taking stock episode, which I think mm. was really important to transition us into their lives individually moving on. Um, just the kind of weight of what has just happened because a lot of things have just happened in chapters one and two. You know, we've had a, yeah. mis- we've had a happy relationship. We've had a miscarriage. Um, we've had cheating mm-hmm. um, and that's a lot so this this is just kind of like the time to evaluate for each character like particularly Denise sorry the the part that she's played where are we now um yeah it was a moment of pause that I think was really smart to do and really short um yeah does that makes that transition really successfully I fucking love chapter three yeah I agree me too we move on to chapter four Alicia mm. is living on her own back in New Ooh. York and she wants to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, she's unsure about it though. She's looking into it. IVF is her option, obviously. It is not going to be easy. It's going mm-hmm. to be very expensive and it's going to be very hard doing it on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, 
the conversation between her and the doctor about what her insurance will and won't cover mm. because of her sexuality and her circumstances was a really important one, I thought, because I think mm. it is we've got to bring those injustices to the front. It's not really what this story is about, but I'm glad it was no. told well, it's gotta be acknowledged. and mentioned. Yeah. It's got to be acknowledged. It should be acknowledged because it is mm-hmm. bullshit that yeah. a queer woman wanting to have a baby, yeah, it for some yeah. reason is less valuable than if a straight woman was going to do the same thing. Yeah, because I remember when I was but. first starting to think about like the circumstances um, in like how I would go about making a family mm. and I was working with uh, another lesbian who had just begun that process with her her wife, uh, her fiancé, um, and just I was chatting to her about it because I've never really had anyone to talk about it with. Like obviously you can do some Googling and stuff, but a lot of the information is like American or um, from the UK and stuff. So it's not exactly the same as it is in Australia. And I really had no idea that I thought if I had a donor, I'd just go into a doctor's office and they would just, you know, shoot it up me and it would be <laughs> fine. <laughs> but, yeah, like learning that, you know, it's actually really expensive because legally they have to treat the sperm. I had no idea about that. Um, yeah, just like things that information I did not have access to just because I haven't seen those stories or had access to people to ask the right questions to. Yeah. I and mean, specifically it's whether, I mean, we saw that in the first chapter IVF was what not was needed. They just need the donor. It was a situation yeah. where because of her age and so forth, if she wanted to do this and mm. do it quickly now was, this was the best way to do it and likely have the best success. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which changes things obviously mm-hmm. dramatically. Anyway, after discussing this, um, or thinking about this for a lot. She has a conversation we see with Darius where she discusses how hard this is going to be and she was also planning on like starting her own business and stuff like that. Mm. She decides this is what she wants. She's going to take the plunge and we get to see her starting that process. To me, one of the most incredible scenes in this entire show is the mm. one where she has to inject herself for the first time. Oh, my God. It's so good. The... It's just her, like, at a countertop in a kitchen. Yeah. It's a very simple shot. Mm-hmm. It is, like, a five-minute something scene of just mm-hmm. Naomi Aki getting herself ready, going through yeah. the process, following Mixing the steps. Mixing everything, reading the instructions, reading it again, um, trying to, yeah, boy herself up to, like, actually inject herself with a fucking needle. Just, like, little moments as well, like, where she's taking off the first, like, bit of the needle which is yeah. fucking huge when she's mixing the things she just takes it off and she's good and she's like i'm taking you off because you're fucking huge and like just <laughs> yeah. like little things like that it just felt really real like she's kind of doing bopping around and stuff like she's clearly full of nervous energy but excitement um and she just like can't bring herself to do it and she's overwhelmed and very alone and then she has an amazing conversation with her mom which is so fucking good and I just had a big smile on my face and I thought it was so beautiful. The, when she finally does it and she just sort of like, it wasn't even that bad and the relief mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. laughter and the, it is fucking amazing. It like is. that scene alone is worth an Emmy nomination if nothing else. Mm-hmm. It is, it it was worth the price of whatever had come before, even if you weren't to the show at this point, if you do not feel that scene, there is something fucking fundamentally broken with you. It is <laughs> amazing. And the performance really is. is incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I can't I 
go if you if you're still listening to this podcast for some reason you've gotten this stage go and fucking watch this show at least go watch even listen just watch episode four at least because you yeah. don't necessarily need the context of everything that's come before it chapter four tells its story mm-hmm. and it's an incredible story and that scene alone is gonna it's gonna get you there oh man what a, mm. what a scene uh anyway we yes go on I do need to um, say that the – I'm not sure exactly what the title is, but the ultrasound technician, Cordelia. Cordelia. Is the fucking best. I love Cordelia. I love her so much. <laughs> oh, she's so wonderful. And as I was yeah. watching, I was like, yes, that is like the energy and attitude that all health professionals should have. Yeah. Like it's just this – comforting safe place where you know she can read your energy and you know build you up if that's what you need or share in your joy or share in your sadness and like for such a a lonely experience for alicia to have this woman Mm. who is who you don't expect to be such a big part of the emotional journey of this chapter like oh in the moments of sadness when she has to break the news, devastating. I think that the woman who plays Cordelia also should get an Emmy because she's so good. Best supporting? 100%. Best supporting. Like, I believed her. I 100% believed her in that role. There are four scenes of her having her ultrasound done. And I wouldn't cut one of them. They are shot exactly the same. No. The framing is 100% mm-hmm. the same. They are... Like the what takes place within the scene from a blocking point of view is identical every time, but mm-hmm. it tells a different stage of the journey, mm-hmm. and it all of them are crucial. Yeah, and I wouldn't cut a second. I wouldn't remove. I it is wonderful, and what I love ultimately about this episode, apart from this story of like this happy ending that we get, which we'll get to in a second, is. I don't think I've ever seen this either, a story about uh, a, a single person, you know, going through IVF and trying to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And what ends up being a story of community yes. for Alicia and her doctor and especially Cordelia. Mm-hmm. And that while she's alone, she's also not alone. Yes, not she alone, doesn't have yeah. a partner there with her. And yes, it would probably be a lot easier if she was there, if she did have Denise or someone there with her. But she has her mother, she has her doctor, and she has a nurse. And those people, when they come through, mm-hmm. make this possible. And she has herself, who is 100% up for this as well. Yes. Even in the darkest times. And, like, watching that first cycle fail. Uh, when she and- just walks off out of shot and you oh, – it's just – so sad. Yeah, I was crying my eyes out through a lot of this episode. And then having to make the decision to go through all of that again and mm-hmm. to hype herself up, mm-hmm. and which is really what she's doing when she's psyching the, the doctor up. She's yeah. trying to convince herself that I can do mm-hmm. this one more time. And then getting... Like, it was a fucking suspense film. Like, mm-hmm. it was killing me. Waiting to get those phone calls, you know, when she's waiting online, it's like, oh, patients are extremely important to us. Please hold, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and my like, God. I fucking hate this. This is torture. <laughs> the, yeah. disc- disc- like, finding out that they got, what, 13 eggs or whatever it was, mm. which is a great number, you know, five good quality embryos. But then we find out about the fibroids and, like, mm. you know, there is still roadblocks in the still way. stuff, yeah. But that fucking final scene. Mm-hmm. Where she gets the phone call from Cordelia mm-hmm. saying that she's pregnant. 
Yeah. Uh, that yeah. sound that comes out of her right before the ending, that comes out mm-hmm. of Naomi Aki, the laugh cry that we cut on, fucking, if I wasn't already in tears, that's what pushed me over the edge. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, it's a lot. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emmy, 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 please. please Emmy please. has yeah. to be. Yeah, <laughs> has to be, yeah. Uh, I'd like, it's even hard to kind of talk about. I really do think people just need to watch it. I agree. Because we can explain, you like, step by step what happens, but until you actually watch Aki's performance yeah, and the way it all plays out, yeah, you really, you just have to fucking watch it. I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's, it's outstanding. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. That episode alone. Yeah. Just, I got nothing else. I got, I, there's nothing to add. There's nothing to talk about. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Let's move on. Chapter five. Some years later, it appears, Denise is back in her office job. The thing she was really worried about when she was talking with Dev in episode mm. one or in chapter one. She apparently has organized this trip with Alicia. They're getting away. They're now both married to other people. Mm-hmm. They both have their own children. They're spending a weekend away in what is their old house, the house we've seen for the first three chapters of this mm. of this. Uh, season, which has now been turned to an Airbnb. Yep. Uh, what are you thinking at this point? <laughs> I've so many because <laughs> chapter four is such a triumph. Yes, both for the character and I think for the show. Um, and then we come back to Denise, mm-hmm. and we see her working in that cubicle and being, you know. Looks pretty miserable, yeah. Um, which feels both good and sad. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, she needs like you know a bit of she needs something to humble herself uh, in a lot of ways and kind of come back down to earth, which was definitely an issue in her relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we get the reveal that because at first I was like, oh, is this a flashback? That was what I was thinking as well. Yeah, yeah. and then like, the, like when- taking her to see the house for the first time. Like this is the house we're going to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out to be an Airbnb and also... Well, when they're driving and it's revealed that they both have partners, mm. I was like, for fuck's sake. God damn it. Um, I, I like what they're doing. I wish they had done it in a different way, I suppose. Go on. In what, Off the top of your head, what are you sort of thinking? Yeah. So, obviously, you know, it's about... This person who is so important to you and embodies all of these different experiences and firsts um, that you, well, it's painful, you also cherish as well. Like it's a really important part of their history. Um, I don't, I understand why they're at the house and, you know, that kind of symbolizes um, they can, you can never go home again, really. Um, You can kind of pretend and reenact, but it's, it's different. It doesn't have that mm-hmm. sense of home like it once did. It's been colonized. Um, yes, it has been. Co- I love that. The caucasity of it all. Yep. Um, so I like that. I just, I didn't need Alicia to need her in that way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want Denise to either, really. Um, I wish that kind of, that feeling that they're evoking could have been done differently you know they could still meet up but not have this kind of sexual getaway that seems to be like yeah. a pretty common occurrence 
it's it's a really it's a really complicated thing because it's like on one hand because I've seen these two at their best and you believe mm. that they have a special connection or at least did have one. The idea mm. that years later they've somehow like found each other, found a way to include each other in their lives, that they get something from each other they can't get from other people. I get that to some degree. Mm-hmm. It's hard also when they're talking about these other relationships they're in, their families, their children and stuff like that mm. who we don't meet and like what am I meant to think about those people? Mm. Am I just not meant to think about it? Like, they don't seem to be thinking about it nearly enough as they should be. Mm-hmm. This is a complicated scenario. And once they get to the the house and they're, like, just hanging out and chilling and feeling very much like Chapter 1 in a lot of ways, mm. there's a conversation that's being had. They're out in the paddock. And for the first time, there is a dialogue sequence that takes place over footage that is not actually in the moment. Yeah. Right? Denise is talking about what sort of happened to her in the convening years a little bit after Mm. they separated. And that was not coincidental but interesting timing because that was a point when I was going, I really could have done with an episode about Denise not being successful, about what happened to her Mm. afterwards, about going backwards. And my conspiracy theory is that maybe there was an episode like that Mm -hmm. and that that sequence with Denise talking over the other footage they have was their way of going, maybe that episode didn't work or maybe they couldn't do it because of um, COVID. COVID reasons. Mm. And that they ADR'd that in off screen afterwards to summarise what would have been. Yeah, I, I was surprised because I didn't check how many episodes there were before I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew there, there weren't a lot. I assumed, I had the expectation that episode five would be the Denise episode and then episode six would be the coming together or, you know, this is where we are now thing. Um, so, well, yeah, I... It wouldn't be surprising to me if you're right on the money there. I yeah. I, th- I I retract that idea though because I do mm. believe this is the Denise episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything about the body of this episode you particularly want to talk about? They have numerous conversations about where they are, about sort of what they mean to each other to some degree, about what they want or don't want, their recurrent relationships. Nothing really stuck though for me that was particularly mm-hmm. revealing necessarily. I don't know. Is I mean, there anything... I- I loved um, Denise talking about uh, not being successful anymore mm. and just the frank. I, I mean, it made me laugh. I've read a review, I think, maybe yesterday or the day before, and this person was like, I only laughed once during this season. That's not true for me. I laughed actually quite a lot. Um, but then this was a moment that I laughed quite a bit was just Denise talking about how miserable <laughs> Her life is that what like, going back. It's like having seen heaven, then being told no, you actually have to go to hell now, and it's worse because you knew what heaven was like. Yeah, yeah. she's so dramatic about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, also, the conversation in the the bathtub, um, mm. and I think Denise being like, "Oh, let's not do that. Let's not do that." Just like really kind of. This is the one thing we said we wouldn't do. Yeah, just like you can feel like her holding up the roof, like that it's just crumbling around them. Just be like, let's just ignore it. Let's just ignore it. Um, so I think like there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of growth for Denise, which I think is interesting. Um, she still very much is who she was. I think this is this season is really a journey for Alicia to kind of go after the things that she wants um, to you know, stop being a follower who resents having to follow, but instead kind of creating her own path, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was shocked at, at how little Denise moved. Well, yeah. what are your feelings on Alicia being here at all? 
Does, did you like? Did you feel like it tracked with where we were? I know it's years later, mm. but it's it's a big jump to go from where we saw her, you know, getting by without Denise, not really feeling mm. like she was missing her or needed her. There was no sense really apart from being very lonely that she didn't reach out to Denise once in what we saw in episode four or anything like that. Mm. That did it, did it make sense that Denise was there for you? Did you, how did you feel about her character? I mean, it makes sense in just like a normal human way. Like I kind of understand that. Sure. Um, I think from a story perspective, it doesn't quite work for me. I It feels less satisfying, but maybe the, the quest of this show is not to be satisfying in that way where you get that perfect arc and, you know, it is a bit more complicated than, you know, now you're a strong independent woman and you mm. like don't need anyone. Um, yeah, I think the purpose of it is to be complicated. Totally. Um, yeah, but I didn't love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then how did you read the ending? Well, they're fucked. <laughs> I mean, it's... Oh. I thought it was, it scared me when Denise was talking about like, are we just going to do this forever until we get caught? Like I felt concerned because I was like, well, what is their fucking plan? What is like their intention here? And obviously it's all either this precious little getaway that they have together is going to fall apart and then what? There's just going to be sadness and they're still not going to be satisfied in their old their own lives or their you know families are going to find out and their lives are going to blow up like nothing it was not going to end well and i felt really worried and stressed okay what are your thoughts brad uh uh, my thoughts are and i thought it was pretty direct and i think the more i think about the more it's true this was denise's fantasy that this didn't happen at all the final moments after they're in bed really is there is a transition a film transition that we've never seen at all before in any other moment in this entire show. Almost, mm. it, I can't remember if it was more like a blur or like, it was like someone was changing the film in front of the projector or something like that. We cut to the bed, fully made, completely empty, nobody in it. Cut to outside and we see Denise smoking by herself. My perception is this was Denise, it was a fantasy Denise was having. Oh, that's such a relief. That makes me feel so that, much better. Because, which really lines up because- yeah. As much as I agree with you, there are ways to see how human beings might end up where they were, especially with the yeah. connection and so forth. It This is what I was like, when I was saying I want a Denise episode, it's weird we don't have one that's just the couples together. What mm. the ending told me was like, ha, huh, you just watched the Denise episode and you didn't realize it. This is telling mm. us where Denise is. She probably really is in that office in New York somewhere. Yeah. And this is like her... Her longing, her wishing, her mm. what she would like to happen. She loves the idea of just, if I could just reconnect with this person again, you know, my life would be better. She might even have a, a, a wife. She might even have her own kids, all that sort of stuff. But, like, there is this part of her that hasn't let go. She hasn't grown. She's gone backwards and she's stuck. And that this is... Oh, I like that so much better. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and because the episode oh, I was yeah. enjoying, but I was like, I'm waiting for the kicker here. Yeah. I'm waiting for the something that's missing that every other episode had, right? First episode ends with the, I want to have a baby, maybe not with you. Second episode ends with, I don't want to do this anymore. Third episode ends with, them finally sign those fucking papers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
fourth episode, it's a story of itself, of Alicia and her success in having this or getting pregnant at least. And that fifth mm-hmm. episode is nothing and not really it, it was it needed and that the reveal is that this is this is telling us what's happening for Denise now. Now, mm. we don't what is I haven't tried to track this or where this might take place. Is it really four years in the future? Is it maybe a similar we don't know. Mm-hmm. But after all this said and done, this is where we meet Denise again. That's the way I read it anyway. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Now, it's deliberately ambiguous. It could actually have happened. Mm. It is quite possible. Yeah. I suppose like the end of season two, really. It, it, well, what's interesting is it's very similar to the end of season two. Yeah, because yeah. that was d- done in a way that was deliberately obtuse as well. That was deliberately mm. meant to be like, is it real or is it not? Was it a fantasy or wasn't it? Mm. But to me, the, the way it happens... Mm-hmm. And the the fact that we don't see Alicia after that weird transition, and that there was this thing that was to, that never took taken place before in the season, suggests to me that it's a relatively clear indication that this is is deliberately ambiguous, but it may mm-hmm. not have actually happened. And I would choose to believe it because I think it is much more fulfilling as a story if that's the case. Yes. And it sounds like you do too. Yeah, no, it makes me want to rewatch that episode now. Yes. Yeah. yeah, cool. I really, I really like that, and that is how I'm going to choose to read it mm-hmm. moving forward. Because that makes it, that makes it really cool. Okay, <laughs> it's like she's having this fantasy, and she's telling herself along the way, "It's yeah. like I can't actually think about this getting back together again. I can fantasize about us connecting again. Maybe, maybe there's something that we could happen, but I can't mm-hmm. pretend that we're going to get back together. I can't even conv- let, let myself feel that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It's very like complex, it. and I liked it a lot. Mm. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? I don't actually. I was so like, I mean, I generally don't have side notes, but I was just watching this. I was just straight up watching this show yeah. and just having a great time. What are your side notes? I got. I went through all of them in our deep dub discussions. So yeah. we're just going to move straight into our least favorite and favorite episodes. What was your least favorite episode to mask? <laughs> Well, up until two seconds ago, it was the last one. Because <laughs> like I was saying, I thought there was perhaps a better way to demonstrate. There was something um, missing. Yeah, the desire for that closeness and intimacy and, yep. you know, the cloud of it being lost to them and all of that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep it with the last one, even totally. though now I really want to rewatch that episode because I think it... It's only yeah. like 30 minutes long too. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's the middle sort of length one of the oh, season, yeah. I really love it being a fantasy. Like you <laughs> just... I'm really excited by that idea and I feel foolish for not realizing, but I like it a lot. I mean, it, it anyway. does, it's not it's not explicitly no, said. No, it's not. No. There's just enough there to make you go, hold on a second. What are mm. you trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like, I, I wasn't necessarily convinced that what it was until I started reading into interviews about, like I literally looked up what was the ending of Master of Season 3 and <laughs> I was like, oh good. Other people feel like this was, something was up here as well. And yeah. That's the okay, conclusion cool. I came to. Yeah. Uh, so episode five is your least favorite? Yeah, I'm going to keep it with that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm going to say my least favorite. I actually, I think all of them are really great. Yeah, I think all of them are worthy of being here. There's nothing I would cut out of any of these. I'm going to go with episode or chapter one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you were saying in your review section and when we were talking about episode one about like, I didn't think that the the performance from Dev's girlfriend was of the same show as everybody else's performance necessarily. You said that, I not think me. when you're when you're talking about like awkward moments with mm. Denise, like the Denise and Dev conversation is one of those ones where it feels like yeah, uh, 
Lena Waithe is, is not necessarily as natural as she could be in that moment. It feels a mm. bit written and stilted. I also think Aziz Ansari is not, isn't brilliant in that sequence either, um, if no. I'm being honest as well. It's like little bits like that. Does it take much away? Very little. Mm. So I'm just going to say episode one. What was your yeah. favourite episode? Do I? It was actually really ask? hard for me to decide and I'm not sure if I totally have because I was juggling between obviously chapter four, which is so good and I think mm-hmm. like it's it could be its own insular story. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like we said, performance is incredible in it. Like it really takes you there. Um, yeah, so chapter four is amazing. But I think I'm going to say just to mix it up, chapter three. Cool. Because that is it's short, succinct, um, beautifully told. The the speech that we get from Alicia just, yeah, like I said, it gave me goosebumps. I was like, fucking hell. Like, yeah, that is everything you would want to say to that person. And she does it with so much anger, um, but like righteousness. I was like, fuck yeah. And that, that, at that point, I was like, I really like what this show is doing and I'm so invested. Mm. What about you, Rob? Uh, until chapter four, chapter three was my favourite episode, but then chapter four happened and uh, <laughs> it's a fucking revelation as far as I'm concerned. Best 15 minutes of TV I've seen in a while. Just a powerhouse yeah. performance from Naomi Aki. I can't not. It's five yeah. out of five. It's, mm-hmm. it's the okay. best episode of TV I've probably watched since that episode of Watchmen. Mm, yeah. I reckon. I reckon yeah. that's probably the last the the up and yeah, since then that's the best episode of TV I've watched, I think. Mm-hmm. Predictions, hopes, and concerns, Damask. Do you um, have anything any thoughts well, about a fourth season of Master of None? Yeah, well like I said in my spoiler free review, I think I'd really enjoy this show being like an anthology series that mm-hmm. we get every few years when there's, you know, another story that they're interested in telling. Could be about, you know, whoever lives in this world, really. I'm 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 I'd be into that. I don't really need, you know, the next chapter, you know, next year about mm. Alicia and Denise. I'm yeah, I'm happy for this kind of every now and again anthology. What about you, Brub? Just more please. I don't mm-hmm. care when, I don't care how, but I could take a, a new season with a return to the first two seasons approach or something else completely new without a second's hesitation. What I mm-hmm. hope this has done is given Aziz and the other creatives involved with this show um, re-sparked their, their interest in doing more of this show. Mm-hmm. Now, knowing that it doesn't have to stick to a f- particular formula, they can mix it up, they can go back to what they were doing previously they want. Maybe here or there they do. Maybe they just insert more stuff that's a bit different. I don't, whatever. Mm. This seems to be a great vehicle for some really excellent storytelling that always seems to be very relevant to like where I am in my life. Not that mm-hmm. I'm planning to go through a divorce or anything like that or whatever, but it, it, it feels like stories of people at my age. It feels mm-hmm. very real and familiar to that, that transition out of that exciting 20s into like, you know, your adulthood in your 30s yeah. and long-term relationships and the complications. Got. Even owning a house in its own way is definitely where I'm at in my life right now. So like mm. keep doing that. If this is the vehicle they're going to they can use to tell those sorts of stories that will remain relevant and just be this good, yeah. Fucking as much or as little as you want, I'll be wait, ready and waiting. That's it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hile of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S, Damask. 
You can find me on Twitter at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back with an off-topic hot topic. And then again, the following week to discuss The Sopranos Season 6A. I use that terminology because that's what HBO uses. Some people like to say the first half of Season 6. Some people are going to say it's a cop-out. We're not doing all 20 episodes or whatever it is. HBO says 6A. Some people say so Season 7 or whatever. 10 episodes is that it's the first what, 11 eight? I believe 11 okay great. I'll, I'll make sure you understand what those are but yeah there is mm-hmm. a distinct cutting off point based yep. on when they released mm-hmm. uh, in the meantime thank you again for listening we'll see you next time bye for now bye cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.